It's been a few long weeks for Crossing Broadcast. Philadelphia's only 7 for 7 podcast is back. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad. Joined as always by Kevin Kincaid, who you can find on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. The man, the myth, the legend. His life is still over. Child taken to the beach, I believe. Down the shore, as they say. We've got a lot to get into tonight, That's including... Right. Uh, you know, some of the uh, the biggest stories that have happened in the last couple of weeks since we last recorded, including uh, some hustle issues, running up the score, Gloria, um, mm-hmm. the the um, the man of the people, the, the voice of the Philadelphia sports fan. Angelo Cataldi. Um, domestic abuse came up, hot takes, man. and of course, uh, you know, some netting around the park. Some and there's netting. and plenty, plenty of other things. So, uh, Kevin, how's uh, how's life? It's good, man. It's good to be back. I'd like to apologize to the loyal listeners of uh, the Crossing Broadcast for not doing this for two weeks. But as you know, my life is over. So I'm trying to find time in between my life being over to do the podcast. Whoops, that was an accident. I didn't mean to play that. Um, went accidental yeah, but, on the soundboard. Wow. Yeah, sorry. Um, we're off to a good start, huh? Now, listen, it's hard to be a 7 for... It, the 7 for 7 podcast, when five of the seven sports are not currently in season, It's kind of it's a little hard to do that but there's a lot to talk about i'm excited uh to talk about it and let's do it all right say. where do you want to start, start my friend i want to start with this your town your team your st louis your st louis blues st uh, louis lose yeah st louis lose <laughs> 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 winning uh lord stanley's cup and of course didn't we we all did the knee jerk like craig baruby and uh brayden chen I was just going to do that in the background. Sorry, the guys. St. Louis Blues should take the Stanley Cup, and they should let the 99% in St. Louis carry the Stanley Cup around. The Stanley yeah. Cup does not belong to the 1% of Americans. It belongs to everybody. I'm Bernie Sanders. Thank you. The St. Louis... No, no, no. St. Louis Blues should pull a rock. They should be the rock. They should take that Stanley Cup. <laughs> Shine and sh- real nice. <laughs> Take that cup, turn that some sideways, and stick it straight up your candy ass if you smell what the blues are cooking. Yeah. Well, you know what? The name of the column this morning wasn't really a column. I hesitate to call it a column, but the title of it was, uh, you know, if the St. Louis Blues can win the Stanley Cup, surely the Philadelphia Flyers can win the Stanley Cup, right? I got to admit to you, Russ, being crazy. Ho- hockey's not my sport. I will tell everybody straight up that hockey's not my sport. You and Ant do the Snow, Snow the Goalie podcast, um, and I would defer to you on that. But I previous, previously believed that the Flyers should just blow it the fuck up and, like, bring Sam Hinkie in and get rid of everybody and just start over. But, you know, when I look at St. Louis lose, um, you know, being last place in, what, January – uh, firing the head coach, bringing in chief on an interim basis, an interim chief, and then they ride a hot goaltender to Stanley Cup. Like, is it really any any more than just like get a hot goaltender? You got enough talent. They got like veterans on that team. They got a good uh, good defense, uh, but they don't they don't have like there's not some like 22 year old fucking Connor McDavid superstar on that team. You know, I mean they're riding like 27 year old Tarasenko. What's O'Reilly like 29? Jay Bowmeister's like 35 years old. Like I, I don't, I don't see. They're not. Are they really? They have better players, yes. But are they? Con, are they constructed? Are they construct? Are the St. Louis Blues constructed any differently than the Philadelphia Flyers are? Like really? 
Barack says? That's a great question, Kevin Kincaid. Here's the thing. Shove it up your Rudy Poo candy ass. <laughs> Lillian Garcia, do you like strudel? Here's but here's really the question. Here's, Russ, here's this a, is what this is the heart of it. It's like it, do, should Flyers fans be encouraged by um, that, or should they not? Or do they feel like they're further away? Do they feel closer to the cup, or do or are the Flyers further away from the cup? It's a real toss-up, honestly. H- hockey has so much parity in it, especially like we always say when you get to the postseason in the NHL, you never know what's going to happen, right? Like we saw a historic season from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, they're they're in a little bit of a uh, not a little they're in a lot of a cap issue, um, and so are the Toronto Maple Leafs, two of the best teams in the entire Eastern Conference. If we're talking about stacking up against the preseason favorites going into next season, then the Flyers don't have much of a chance. Now, they can, of course, go out, and Anthony and I have broken this down, and we're going to continue to do so. But, like, you know, you're you're a few moves away. Um, there are going to be some some impactful, unrestricted free agents. I don't know how much of a look they're going to give to the Flyers. Um, Kevin Hayes was traded for um, for a fifth-round pick mm-hmm. in order to try to get the, the ball moving on offering him a deal before he would hit free agency, kind of the... The way that they did once upon a time uh, when they got Kimo Tiemann in and Scott Hartnell from Nashville, I I think that there's there's a reason to be encouraged in that the parity allows you to ride a hot goaltender, but then you kind of come back to the fact that Carter Hart, uh, I guess it'll be 20 to start the season next year, um, you're you're not going to be able to match up uh, pending there being some big RFA splash like I've wanted. Or there being a, a few real foundational core shakeups to this team, uh, I, I don't see a way that the Flyers end up becoming a top two, top three team in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. But as long as you make the postseason, anything can happen. This St. Louis team is the perfect embodiment of that. You know, when the the teams met, I think it was back in January, in Philly, they were the thirtieth and thirty first place teams yeah, if, if yeah. memory serves correct or it might have been 31st and 29th 20 it might have been 29th and 31st but they yeah. were they were both atrocious you know clubs and and anthony and i i believe were at that game and we just kind of sat there saying like this is really going to be a barn burning we're making fun of the whole thing yeah and the flyers went on their run and then we saw that you know they, they hit this like massive um yeah they had a really great stretch under scott gordon and then the, the wheels kind of came off at the end but what you saw with st louis was a team that no one had had given a shot, and and I, honestly, and arguably, I guess the Western Conference is the tougher conference to come out of in the NHL, and and they wrote a hot goaltender. They they believed in Craig Berube, and it's funny because you think about it in the history of Philadelphia sports, how often is it that an interim coach comes in and does something like Berube did? I'm not mm-hmm. saying like even wins the title, but like think of all the times that like the Philadelphia Union have had an interim coach, right? It it never works, right? <laughs> You think about bringing in an interim manager for the Phillies. It doesn't work. You think about bringing in um, an interim coach who, to take over for, like, the Sixers, right? Like, I, I go back to, like, the days of Chris Ford, mm-hmm. right? Like, th- these things don't work. They so rarely pan out. You get the initial boost, and, and that happened, I, you know, to some extent with the Flyers. If memory serves me correct, they were they hit a little bit of a down mark uh, when Scott Gordon took over because he couldn't implement a system. Then he got some actual practice time in, and then... You kind of saw the boost, but like usually players will play well for their new coach, but that doesn't happen over an extended period of time. That doesn't happen for half a season, which makes and, the the Blues win even more of a story than I think people are talking about. You know? Yeah. It, like, is it just is it just because it's the NHL and nobody really knows much about the St. Louis Blues and they're not a uh, they're not a household 16, name. They're not a household name. Like, I feel like this is a, a more of a 
tried and true classic American sports story than yeah. This <laughs> than is this is a about. this is a make a movie kind of season, right? Like back in 2010 when the Flyers uh, made it in on the last game of the season, and then they went. You know, everybody remembers the series that they had with Boston where they fell behind three games to yeah. none. And then they worked themselves back into that game seven. It looked like Boston was going to run away with it. They went up three goals. And, of course, yeah. then the Flyers came back and won that game. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, that that felt like, and everybody at the time said, man, if the Flyers are able to finish this thing off and win the Stanley Cup, then there's going to be a movie made about it. The St. Louis Blues team, it, it is such a remarkable story. And because of where they were, and, and like, think about it. Like, in the calendar year 2019, this isn't something where they were in last place in October. Like, they were in last place in January. And they came back. They made the postseason. They won the Stanley Cup. Like, that is an awesome story. But whether you like hockey or not, whether you think that it belongs in the Sports Talk Radio conversation, or you think it belongs as, you know, being up there with the baseball, basketball, footballs of the world, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a whole other thing. I think we can all agree that hockey is a niche sport, right? Um, are you a guy, but, are you a person who says niche as well? What, what am I supposed to say? You say niche. Ni- you want me to say Nietzsche? No, it's a niche. It's a niche sport. When I say niche sport. Here, I'll give you the de- the pronunciation from Google. Niche. No. Yep. No. It's a niche sport. Now, I will say niche, niche on its own. No, I'll say niche on its own, but I will not say... No, no. It's a niche sport. Anyway, um, I it, it is a really cool niche. story. And here's the problem. It's going to make a lot of delusional fan bases think that their team's in action this offseason is going to, uh, you know, mm. is going to be okay. Because we saw what happened. This comes back to even what happened when Vegas was in the Stanley Cup final last year. Mm-hmm. It was, oh man, you know, this this tried and true method of trying to tear the whole thing down, rebuild the farm system and, and try to build from there, the Hextall model. Well, that was stupid because Vegas came in as an expansion side and they were able to make it to the top, right? Like, again, we talk about parity. The NHL just has a lot of it and it's, it's a cool thing. It makes the postseason... In one sense, very exciting, but I understand why there are people who say, "Well, then the regular season doesn't mean a damn thing, right?" And I think I think that's what we've now seen at least two years in a row now with Vegas and now with St. Louis. There, there was not a lot of weight to put into the regular season when teams are are so capable of being toppled in such shocking fashions as we've seen. Yeah, but I, I do think if if you're not a an 82 regular season game hockey fan and you just enjoy turning it on for the for the hard hitting and for the playoff atmosphere, then that makes it arguably the best playoffs in all of professional sports. Well, and it also does. I mean, you think about the Flyers being a seven seed, you know, and going to and beating beating the eight seed Canadians to get to the finals. And it's like, you know, we often poo poo the Flyers because they're like, well, why the fuck should we care? Because they're just gonna like skate in as the eight seed and they're gonna get their brakes beat off in the first round anyway. Well, I mean, it's not you know that in. You know, like a, your typical quote unquote. I know they, the seating is differently. They do this different system now or label it differently. But like a typical 1 8 game in basketball is not the same as it is in hockey now, you know? Um, this isn't the Bucks beating the crap out of the Pistons, you know? I mean, so the Blues yep. are, are proof and the Flyers are proof in 2010 that all you got to do is get in and get hot. So, Colum- yeah, Columbus, so I feel like Columbus toppled, uh, toppled Tampa. 
And, yeah, well, and yeah, Tampa, yeah, and Tampa yeah. was in that historic season. They got swept. Like, yeah, there it's it is incredible, but it, it does people come say, down people to matchups and like, everything. Like, yeah, they might say, "Oh, is that good for hockey or is it bad for hockey?" I, I mean, whatever, right? That's another separate argument. But we sit here and we poo-poo the Flyers all the time because we're like, "Well, it doesn't fucking matter. They're just going to be going for like the last playoff spot or the second last playoff spot or whatever." But yes, I mean that's 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 what they were the last time they went to the to Stanley Cup Finals. So I, I yeah. like look, I I now kind of look at it a little differently. Um, than I used to, you know. I think the Flyers are close. Like if if we're if we're being honest, like I think the Flyers are going to go make a few moves. I don't think that the team that you saw at the end of last season is going to look remotely like what it will going yeah. into next season. Well, they need to get some fucking jam back in the building because that place was dead Thanks, last Lobby. year. We need to get Aline Vigneault in here to fucking tune some people up. He's uh, going to French Canadian. Mike Yo their way and to the top. Michel Terrier need to needs to stick his foot up somebody's Rudy you need to take that hockey stick shine it up real <laughs> <laughs> all right where do you want to go from here do you want to do Katati or do you want to do uh I don't know if anybody wants to do Katati do the U.S. women 13 goals um, let's talk well hmm okay let's do the let's, U.S. Uh, let's do the U.S. women let's, and 13 let's, goals. let's do the yeah let's do the soccer do okay. the let's do the soccer thing we'll see if okay. people listen they'll listen so well, it's not even it's only it's seven not for seven podcasts this is thing people are talking about it. it's not really a soccer story you know I mean it's like it's like a, it's a sportsmanship American story culture and sportsmanship story. Yeah. And like before anything, like you could squash the argument in 10 seconds just by saying like goal differential is a thing in the world cup group play. And that determines who advances and who doesn't. So look, Sweden is going to beat the shit out of Thailand as well. They may beat them 10, nothing. Okay. So the difference may be that if the United States and Sweden tie, the difference may be that, uh, they beat Thailand by 13 and Sweden only beat them by 11. You know, so that's one thing. Yep. The only problem I had with it, Russ, was like, like as Herman Edwards once said, like you play to win the game. And I think I actually have a drop for that, and I didn't even have my hand on it, so that's terrible by me. Um, but hang on, you play to win the game. Yeah, I mean, who the fuck is apologizing for scoring 13 goals? I mean, the, the only issue I had was that like the celebrations after goal nine, ten, and eleven just looked corny when you were beating the brakes off of some team. You know? Yep. Um. I, I think there's a thing that people need to understand here, Kevin. It's not just goal differential. If you don't like what happens, then you kind of have to continue to push for there being some kind of equity and some kind of equality in the funding that goes to teams to get them prepared when they get to that level. Well, yeah, because there's so and, much disparity between a team like Thailand, who's in a, the Thailand women who are appearing in the World Cup for the first time in a program like the United States that's had support for year after year after year that's why you can't compare the men's game to the women's game because the the lack of parity is just massive and you know it's just like look i'm not trying to be like the most uh the most progressive mind here i'm not trying to like fall off a left-leaning cliff here we go i'm not i'm just saying that like i don't know what people expect to happen thailand has a really big moment in qualifying for this world cup and that's great but they probably don't have the training resources they need to make themselves a competitive club or a, a, a competitive side mm-hmm. at the international level. It's a massive achievement for them to get there. The idea that the U.S. women are supposed to just like play what keep away for 45 minutes yeah, that's, is nonsensical. That's disrespectful. Here's, yeah. here's, the, here's the issue. This is the thing that I don't think a lot of people understand because a lot of people who are arguing about this don't watch soccer. So there's the goal differential part. That is true. Um, when you coach... If your team is running up the score, mm-hmm. if it's clear that there is a massive disparity, you start to put conditions on how your team can score. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that Jill Ellis is responsible for whatever happened. I'm not saying that the U.S. women's national team is supposed to put in something to that effect. But, like, 
there are ways to do it and there are ways to mask it and to disguise it so that it it's not um being demeaning to your opponent yeah it seemed a little it seemed a little tone deaf to me it seemed a little disrespectful because at that point like what really is there to celebrate if there's such a gulf in quality that you're you're scoring that easily in the first place like are is there are these goals even worth celebrating and people say like well so-and-so scored her first world cup goal and so-and-so scored her last and like that's what, cool. what could be her last world cup goal and that's great but like russ you and i could have scored against thailand okay so like is if you and i can score against thailand is that something worth carly lloyd who's probably one of the best of all time is it worth her celebrating i, I don't no, know it just i think seemed, if it's, it if it's your first goal if you've worked your entire life to make it to the world cup to make it onto the national mm-hmm. team, and you score your first goal. I don't care what the scoreline is. You are allowed to celebrate that because it's your first goal. Like, that's sure. the culmination of everything you've worked so hard for in your life. Now, if that's the 12th goal, all right, fine. Celebrate and do so in a somewhat respectful manner. But, like, you, there's the pass. Alex Morgan counting off her goals I thought was awful. I thought Megan Rapino doing yeah, the slide to the kick. That was corny. That was tone deaf. Yeah. Like, that was stupid. Yeah. Now, again... There are ways to disguise this. Like, I think somebody like Rapino, I have no problem with them continuing to score. But do it in a way that isn't absolutely demeaning to your to your opponent. Go about, you know, like, go I coach soccer, business, right? If, yeah, and, like, like, I've, I've been on that side where it's like, you put conditions in, right? Like, play it back to the keeper and play it out of the back, right? You've got you've to do seven passes, cross in, it has to be scored on a header, right? Like, these are things that you can put in. But you don't do but that like, at, the pro, you don't, you know, at the pro level. You also expect your experienced players to not run over, like, you call them over to the sideline, tell them the condition, and they're supposed to communicate that to their teammates in a somewhat like quiet or respectful manner. You don't want your team captain to come over to the bench. You give that. And then they say, Hey guys, guys, you got to pass it seven times. Play back to the keeper, cross it in. Then you can score. Don't do it the other way. Or he'll pull you. You can't do that. Right? Like that's, yeah, I, that's something just, where like, I, we didn't having any kind of experience. Like you, there's a, there's a way to do this. And I, I don't fault the team for scoring. You no, don't let off. No. You don't let off. It is the highest caliber. It's the highest level. It seemed a little tone, but, but it's the celebrating mm-hmm. that even I had to like sit back and say, you know what? The, like that like was this just a little corny and I don't want to hear yeah. anything about like what, you know, and then you get into all this like think piece fucking social bullshit that has nothing to do with it either. And people are saying like, well, well, you're only saying that because they're the women's team. Like, no, if, if the men's team was winning 13 to nothing against like, what's a tiny, a tiny Island nation in CONCACAF. Like if they were up 13 to nothing against St. Kitts, you know, I would say, all right, let's knock it the fuck off. Let's stop being assholes here. Let's stop celebrating because there's nothing worth celebrating here. You're just being tone deaf, you know? So yep. I don't want to hear any of that. Like, well, it's a male patriarchal blah, 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 blah. I will shut that shit down. You know, because it, it really doesn't have anything to do with that. It's just about American sporting culture and the proper way to conduct yourself, whether you're male or uh, female or... She sounds hideous. You know. Whatever. Look, I saw the thing that that it was like. Would this be the same if the men's team had scored, if the men's team had scored thirteen goals? And you know what the correct answer to that is, Kevin? Yes. No. This this wouldn't be the same because the men aren't talented enough to score uh, well, thirteen that's, goals that's in a not game. Relevant. I mean, everybody wanted to make their. It jokes. is relevant. Everybody wanted to make their jokes. Well, the United States fucking sucks. Blah blah. The blah. men's team could score they're maybe three goals. Play, they're also not maybe playing three. against programs. We're gonna that are like we're five gonna put out old. the re like we're gonna put out what the corpse of Clint Dempsey is he gonna be out no, there? No, but they're Great. not. But everybody's we're gonna like, bring Kyle Beckerman's like, dreads out of retirement. I kept reading like, well, the United States women scored thirteen goals in one game, and the men haven't scored Good thirteen goals in like forty fucking years. Well, it's not the same, dude. Look. If Germany, if in the next men's World Cup, Germany goes out and plays like Sri Lanka and they go and they drub them 15 nil, then like, fine. Again, 
you work hard, you get to the top level. You have to deal with what you deal. You know, like it's 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 how this works. I don't know what to tell you. Do you have any? All right, let's get off this. Um, what do you or, think about Malcolm Jenkins? What about him? Is he helping himself or is he hurting himself by showing up? Because it's not really much of a. I don't. I've. I've. This must be. This might be the most peaceful, the most docile contract um, issue that I've ever seen. Right. So there are a, a few layers to this that I think. Uh, this is the thing that like Lefko would always talk about back in the day. You need to get paid. But I think what Malcolm Jenkins means to the organization, and I think what he means to the entire league as a face of the coalition and such, I think him going about this and the way that he, he's going about it is about as respectful as it can be on the player's side. And I think it probably works well for him in negotiating. Like, I, I don't know what you ever actually get out of holding out. You end up putting yeah. your team, like, you, you end up putting yourself behind physically. You put your team behind and Jenkins seems like probably the best teammate, right? He mm-hmm. seems like the like one of the most upstanding members of of the Philadelphia Eagles, probably in the entire league. Just speaks to the and, culture and of the he's, team. And he's being he's being a good leader for all of the younger guys who are looking up to him. Look, Malcolm Jenkins knows he doesn't have ten years left in this game, right? It's not like he's he's Jason Peters on his last leg, and I mean leg because Jason Peters has torn his Achilles what three times now. He's got like one leg, left. Um, but like. He's setting a good example, and sure, could he lose out? Like, if he goes out and ruptures his Achilles, and like, <laughs> the Eagles aren't going to give him a huge deal now, are they? No. But, like, Malcolm Jones is a safety. Like, how much is he going to get paid anyway? You know, you, if, if he's, like, your stud-wide receiver, like, if he's an Odell Beckham Jr., and then he goes out and ruptures his Achilles, okay, then, then things are very different, right? Because yeah. his, his ceiling on what he can get paid is totally different as a safety. I think he's doing the right thing. I think the Eagles probably at this point, like I don't know how much, like how far off they are, but like I, I have, I have no problem with it. It, he's doing everything that you want a professional player, a professional athlete to do. He's got his money, and he's going to go in and he's going to do all the things that he needs to do. He's going to put on a good face, and he's going to continue to be a good representation of of the organization. And the team's going to reward him. They're going to pay him. Let's- it's just. There's no point in holding out. Let's do, we always like to do an exercise on the podcast. We'll do a quick one. Um, Malcolm Jenkins is the ninth highest paid safety in the national, the national football league uh, in AAV, right? Average uh, annual value. So uh, mm-hmm. these are the, the safeties that are ranked above him. Uh, and I'm going to name them one by one. And you tell me if they deserve to be paid more than Malcolm Jenkins. All right. Is this all safeties or? It's all, right, they clump strong okay. safeties and free safeties together. But, okay, you know, keep in mind, Malcolm Jenkins plays like 40 different spots, you know, so. Uh, yeah. Adrian Amos. Yeah. Devin McCourty. I like McCourty. Harrison Smith. Meh. LaMarcus Joyner. Seth Joyner. Rashad Jones. I like Rashad. Earl Thomas. He's uh, didn't he move? Where did he go to? Ravens, Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Landon Collins. Landon Collins is absolute dog crap. Uh, Tyron Matthew. Uh, no. Yeah, I mean, there's really not Jenkins a lot probably, of separation. Jenkins is, Jenkins is probably what a top five safety. Uh, based, yeah. based on what you just, yeah. based on the the AAB, 
well, like and here's some of the people, safety, and here's right? some of the like, people that are right below Malcolm too. Tony Jefferson, okay, Tashawn Gibson, Eric Reed, Patrick Chung, Ricardo Allen. Oh, love Patrick Chung. Yeah, I mean, you I, want to I, talk I, about I, guys who left the city of Philadelphia and went on to win championships? Problem is, Patrick I think Chung. I don't think I don't think Tyra Matthew and Landon Collins are worth 14 million AAV. Like I, no, Earl Thomas is a really good player, but he's coming off injury. Harrison Smith's a really good player. I think he's been to four straight Pro Bowls or something like that. Malcolm's been to three. Yep. Uh, Joiner's a good player, but I mean, he's they're probably, they're all he, 30, he probably 31, should be a top top five yeah, top five paid safety. Well, I hope it works out. And for, that's fair, for Malcolm. It's just it's it's. I think it speaks a lot to. I think it speaks a lot to the culture of the Eagles and like just you know, his, like he said straight up, his relationship with with Jeffrey Lurie, you know. And he knows, yep. I think he knows he's smart enough to know, too, that like the idiot portion of the Eagle fan base, which, of course, is not everybody, but there's some, like, you know, the people who are on, like, the, like, fuck Colin Kaepernick, fuck Malcolm Jenkins, whatever the, you know, whatever the hell side of it, like, that would be more ammunition for them to call him, like, selfish and all that shit if he was holding out, but uh, there's, like, the most respectful way to go about it, you know? I don't see why, well, they, I don't see guessing, why they can't get I'm him to, like, 10 million the, or 11 million. What was it? The Eric Reeds of the world are probably sitting back saying that Jenkins is a fraud for not holding out. That he's doing well, himself God, a disservice, yeah, and he's even, doing he's doing imagine. that he's doing like the entire players' association a disservice by not holding out. I'm not saying that he has <laughs> he hasn't come out publicly and said it to my knowledge, but like yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if if behind closed doors he's saying that. But whatever. Do you have any uh, Carson Wentz take? Because I really don't. I just like I think it. I think that was as straightforward as possible. Like, uh, you know, he wanted to be here. They wanted him to be here. You know, the injury allowed them to sign him a little bit earlier. You know, I mean, it just I think that probably played out the way we thought it was going to play out, right? I have uh, I have feelings on it, but I'm not I'm not really strong in my convictions. What kind of feelings? Like for it or against it? Like a Nick when like I saw a Nick it when I, when I saw it on the surface, it was it was just kind of simple. It was it's a lot of money to give to a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy. And then I remembered that in the National Football League, right. you can cut a guy, and all that money goes away, or almost all of that money goes away. How much is guaranteed? So, how much was guaranteed to him? Uh, was it 60? I don't know. I can pull it up right now. You can keep talking though while I pull okay, it up. But, okay. Um, it's a, like, it's a move that you have to make, but it's not something that like I was, I was overly thrilled by. 107 right? like, million I, guaranteed. It was 107? Yeah. Jesus. Four years, 128 so, like, million extension uh, to tacked on to what he has now, one, including over 107 million guaranteed. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I don't sink in. I don't. I don't really have a reaction because yeah. I knew. I knew that this. We knew that this was the, what they were going to do. So, like, I can't say, well, it's it's bad or it's good because I mean, like, it was the worst kept secret of all time. It's not like. Uh, I'm just trying to get over the fact that apparently, like, this has already led Dak Prescott and his agent to to uh, to try to counter Dallas with a higher offer. He wants more money than Carson Wentz got, which I find. <laughs> kind of funny yeah yeah i don't know i don't really have many thoughts on eagles minicamp or whatever the fuck that just ended i'm gonna be know? honest it's man. nice that deshaun I, the eagles, it's, it's cool the eagles see... are not even on they're not on my radar no me neither they're like, not we even need close. to put a moratorium on the eagles talk from we've now got the nba until, draft coming yeah. up the finals are still going on yeah. hockey just wrapped up do you love uh, I the see union Kyle. are in first the phillies are in first mm-hmm. the eagles like minicamp doesn't do anything for me no, is it cool that deshaun yeah. jackson went out to dinner with carson once the other day yeah sure yeah. Is it cool to think about Carson Wentz hitting Deshaun on a deep ball 
this uh, this fall. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't. I'm like, excited I don't about sit it. Sit there and, and but get I don't, excited in John. I don't care about minicamp. Thirteenth about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about like every single one of these yeah. beat writers going out and and like giving me the blow by blow of a, of a Nate Sudfeld pass across the middle and how it gets dropped. Like mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. I know that there are some people who like salivate over that kind of stuff, but like it doesn't matter. To, it doesn't matter to me. And I get that like for some like that's the thing that that kind of conversation like pushes the needle. I guess. But I, I, I can't imagine that for the vast majority of the Philadelphia sports fan base, that that is worth building hours and hours of sports talk radio around. Somebody right? somebody in Slack chat, and I'm not going to say who, but this is funny, said, I'm honestly sick of looking at Kawhi. It's been six fucking weeks enough. <laughs> and Kyle, of course, uh, is tweeting about Kyle. He's just saying Lowry. 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 I'm going to tell you, being in the office the last uh, the last three days, the Lowry love is just insufferable. Yeah, how's, it's honestly uh, tell us about it because I've never I have not been up to the Crossing Broad uh, offices yet. How is that? Uh, how is that going for you guys? It's an interesting uh, interesting thing. Is it a is it, it it's, just a big sausage fest the whole time? Well, they're they're only males working in the office. Mm. Um, hashtag diversity and. Um, <laughs> It's it's actually been kind of nice. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, because are you guys uh, actually doing any work? Yeah, there? yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, like the last. So here's here's how how, <laughs> how much am I allowed to say? So um, I walk into the office. Craig, the video guy, he's over like doing. He's he's got like Kyle's face zoomed in times like two thousand mm-hmm. on his uh, really beautiful large iMac. And I thought he was just staring at Kyle for a second. No, he's just like cutting out the background for a thumbnail, which is fine. Uh, Kyle is like deep entranced in some email about uh, Sugar House. Mm. And uh, Jason is in the adjoining office, uh, also, I guess, reading something about Sugar House. And then Kyle looks at me on my first day, second day, and he goes, Sugar House is going to be no more. It's going to be Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. You've got to write a post about it. I'm like, okay. I guess it's time. Mm-hmm. I guess now I'm going to start writing about sports betting stuff. So that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So the the news update uh, on the sports betting things for people who care, uh, the Sugar House app has been live since May 31st, from what I remember. Um, and it's a, it's a decent app. I've been kind of doodling around in it for a while. Um, but Sugar House is going to be rebranded. So it's Rush Street Gaming is the company that owns uh, Rivers Casino out in Pittsburgh. They own one in upstate New York in a town I can't pronounce, and one in De Plains. I think it's Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, and they own Sugar House. Well, it sounds like, and they what they presented to the Gaming Commission, the PAGCP or whatever it is, um, they, they're going to rebrand Sugar House as uh, Rivers, Rivers Casino Philadelphia. My guess is that they ran into all kinds of issues because anybody who's trying to use sports betting apps uh, in Pennsylvania will know that you can't access them on iOS. So if you've got an iPhone or an iPad, you can't pull any of that stuff up. My guess is that at some point going through the process with Apple, they realized that if they kept Sugar House as its own app and they tried to do a Rivers app for the Pittsburgh side and and New York and for Illinois, that they were going to have to go through the same annoying process with Apple in two different ways. So they probably just thought mm. it made more corporate synergy sense to just rebrand them. I don't know that for a fact. That's wow, just my guess. World, anyway, yeah, I've wow. been living in this like sports betting thing for a few days yeah. and I don't know how to feel about it, but yeah. I'm okay. I feel like I'm very isolated from you guys. I feel like I'm like, uh, 
just sort of doing my own thing here. You know, I feel like we have two oh, I... arms, two branches of Crossing, Crossing Broad. Broad Sports LLC. It's all you guys at the office doing the gambling stuff, and it's me. Well, yeah. today today was a fun day because I've been working for a week on a, a PAI lottery uh, betting page mm-hmm. so that people who want to go on who didn't know that there are like scratch off online scratch off kind of games mm-hmm. that you can play. Um, I have like everything broken down, but I had to learn about Kino because they've been pushing it. So now I'm like the expert on playing Kino digitally and in the paper copy. And Kino. this is all stuff that I didn't expect to have to get into until I was like 85. But here we are 2019. Kino feels like something you would play like at some shitty dive bar in Schuylkill County. Like oh, I you're agree. Just sitting there in the corner. This by is like sitting, a, yeah, sitting at Club Kino. Eighteen. Yeah, sitting at Club Eighteen at the bar. We're in the poke. Get a lager. At, uh, get a lager poured fresh. There's nothing quite like a fresh poured lager. The Poconos, in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. The Poconos Strip Club, and there's some dude playing Kino oh, that's gross. in the corner. Um, let's do okay. So we did ice hockey. We did football. Let's talk about hustle. Soccer. Let's hustle our way to our next topic. Yeah. Are we talk about Gene Segura. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Gene Segura? On his uh, on his apparent lack of hustle causing Andrew McCutcheon to die. I don't give a shit because like you can tear your tear your ACL doing anything. No, but it's true. I mean, when like Angelo Cataldi bitches at Gabe Kapler and he says, "Well, he wouldn't have been put in the rundown if Segura had run." No, absolutely, like one hundred million. I speak for that entire city of Philadelphia, Gabe. <laughs> your your Angelo Cataldi kind of sounds like Gilbert Gottfried. It absolutely does. <laughs> I think you know what I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna try to work on an Angelo anymore. I'm just gonna make him Gilbert Gottfried. Listen here, Mister Kapler. I can't help but notice the fact that your player refused to run, and now your center fielder is dead. You've got Scott Kingery. He's a second baseman. You've got him playing in the center field. Sorry. I can't do much of anything. My my Bernie Sanders is really bad. Um, no, keep keep good. going with the Bernie. No, I I can do uh, the Jake from State Farm commercial, and that's about it. You know, Burr. she sounds hideous. What are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? Well, she sounds hideous. Wow, that really that really is something. <laughs> is it pretty good? That's remarkable. Wait, hold on, hold on. I want you to set this up again. Go ahead, do it again. Um. How does she start the conversation with the dude? Um, she just grabs she grabs the phone from her husband. Oh, she grabs the phone. She, she says, yeah, yeah. what so are you ahead. wearing, Jake, from State Farm? Uh, I believe, if I am being honest, I am wearing a nice set of pleated khaki pants, a light blue shirt made by Joffrey Bean, no tie, my sleeves are rolled to the elbows, and I am waving to millions and millions of Americans who are fed up with the healthcare system. Well, she sounds hideous. Well, she's Bernie Sanders, so... <laughs> that was pretty good. I think that was one of the better... If I could say so myself, I think that was one of the better like skit like skit kind of things that we've done. We're supposed to take like highlight clips and send them over to Craig so he can like do a nice little video. Oh, that's to a put good on one. all the social channels. Do... I think that's okay. That's the one. Here, let me add. <laughs> Philadelphia's this to the only seven for seven pies. All right. Can I ask you? Let me ask you about. I I want to know about your thoughts on um. So like Angelo Cataldi keeps he keeps saying that he like speaks for the Philadelphia sports fan base. I don't I. 
every time this comes up, I start texting friends, I ask co-workers, I ask random people in the street, I ask random people on the street, I ask people under the street who are dead and were just paved over. I ask all of them, do any of you subscribe to the Angelo Cataldi method? Do you agree with Angelo Cataldi? I don't, I, I'm going to correct myself in real time. I've met one person in the last month and a half who said, my wife and I listen to Angelo every morning. And I love what he does. One. Russ, let's, but let's, he wins the ratings, right? Like, he wins the yeah, ratings the, by a lot. people got to understand that the ratings, radio ratings and TV ratings in this market are a joke. Like, literally, they are people who still wear portable people meters, like PPMs, where you, like, have something attached to you, and it, you tune your radio through that, and it, it sends a message back to Nielsen and says, this guy's listening to this, and this guy's listening to this, and this guy's listening to this. Like, somebody once told me that Angela won the mornings, won book, or came in second place behind, like, Preston and Steve, because he had, like, 12 meters. <laughs> it was like 12 people were listening to him or something like that. So that gives these you things are attached to people? The sample sizes. Like, in in television, we you had something like, nine, I think we had 900 metered households in a region of, like, millions of people. So what kind of sample size is that for sweeps? You know, it, it, it got, there were, there were times where, I, you know, we knew where some of the people lived who participated in the Nielsen meter program and you send news trucks over to their neighborhoods and look for stories to do in their neighborhoods because the, the thought was they would see the news truck and say oh channel three was here we're going to turn on channel three tonight um, and then we would get the you know the ratings from that metered household so it's just it's such a bullshit way to do it the technology is so much better now but um, you know if people cling to Nielsen because that's what they've always used and they know how to you know they, they fear that if they switch to another system that they might lose their ratings they might lose their numbers they might lose their advertising I mean it's just a lot of people who work in the business will tell you that's straight up bullshit and that's a scam uh, blah, blah blah it's proprietary information like they get pissed off at Crossing Broad when, when we would post numbers and stuff like that so I don't really put too much stock into the, the actual ratings I think the ratings are kind of a joke um but I mean, look, I give Angelo Cataldi credit for building a brand, being consistent with it, being uh, you know a mainstay in this region for thirty plus years. He knows how to preserve himself. He knows how to play the game. He makes money for WIP. He does all those things well. Like I have respect for the dude as like a brand builder and a survivalist and somebody who's who's made a name for himself over many of years. But like to advance the story, Russ, I, I don't. They sit here and say Angelo Cataldi's a buffoon. He says a bunch of shit. He blah blah blah. I know he's an actor. I know he's just bullshitting, and he's just like, you know, on his way to retirement, making his money. He does his shtick, and then he logs off for the day, right? But to advance the story, like the problem, the reason I have such a problem with him is because what he does and what he says is actively, actively detrimental to the Philadelphia sports fan. It's actively detrimental to the Philadelphia sports fan. And what I mean by that is that when you just roll out these tropes of like hard work and blue collar and hustle and blah blah blah. Um, pe- pe- fans aren't like that in 2019. Like Philadelphia sports fans are not like that. Like number one, it's not exclusive to us. Like every other town in America appreciates hustle and hard work and blue collar grit. Okay, you know, like Boston's that same way. St. Louis is the same way. Chicago's the same way. New York. So it's not like it's exclusive to us. Number two is that like you have people who look at things a different way now. You have people who understand that busting your ass and sprinting out of the batter's box after you fall over, you might hurt yourself. You might pull a hamstring. You might tweak something. Uh, you know, you have 162 games and like a bazillion at bats. Let's try to just get through, you know, every day and get on to the next one. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, sometimes you can hurt yourself diving, you know, diving into a base or making a hustle play or something. Bryce Harper could have injured himself trying to steal home the other night, you know? So, um, 
then you have other people who look at the world differently. Like there are people now who appreciate analytics and numbers and stats. And you have people who, who understand different kind of strategy, like Sam Hinkey in the process, you know, and Angelo's people in his generation will say, well, you never lose on purpose. You know, it's disgraceful, blah, blah, blah. Well, the Sixers now are further along. The Sixers lost for three years and now they're doing a lot of winning. So it's just, it's just, he keeps, I've always used this comparison. Like it's like Brave New World, the book Brave New World, where they have the, the technology to engineer really, really smart people, perfect people, but they engineer stupid people purposefully because they need them to press like elevator buttons and do other rudimentary tasks and stuff like that. And yep. Angelo benefits from keeping the Philadelphia sports fans stupid, generating fake outrage, um, you know, making people fake angry over the outrage, um, just rolling out his, his tropes like he normally does, um, you know, seeking seeking fake accountability for the outrage and then he failed to like present facts or exercise critical thinking it's a, he keeps philadelphia sports fans stupid because that's his shtick and he profits from it you know and so it's actively it's actively dangerous and it's actively detrimental to the growth of the philadelphia sports fan and how we look at the world and how we understand things because it's not it's it's a much more expansive understanding than just well he didn't run hard bench his ass you know that's not what it is in 2019 people don't look at it that way anymore you know what's upsetting about it though He's not the only one. Like, I, I don't know about you. I, I very rarely get the feeling that he watched the games um, outside of, like, the highlights. I think he just falls asleep. Well, and those guys, too. Like, when he worked those shifts, they get up at, like, 3 in the morning. Yeah. Like, so it's going to be hard. Watch, like, I, I, I get yeah. that it's going to be hard. I get it. Um, but I, f- I feel like it's a it's a, a, a bigger epidemic that, that uh, currently exists in sports talk radio. It annoys where me. The people, I think... Where the people who go on the radio are looked at as being knowledgeable because the expectation from the fans, and I think it's fair, is that the people who are talking about the games will have watched them. <laughs> and I and I just, I sit back and I think, imagine if there, if there was a sports show in Philadelphia where the people who staffed the show, the people who were actually on the radio, watched the games, understood the games, and perhaps even were at the games and spoke to the players and the coaches. I feel like that would be a show people would tune into. Well, it's like, know. why does... <laughs> it, yeah, it bothers me that, like, the, the the WIP is the official radio partner of the Phillies and the Eagles. So, like, the by, by contractual mandate, you know, they get Gabe Kapler every week and they put him on with Angelo Cataldi. Like, it's, it's not, again, like, there are so many great people, great interviewers, great journalists, great reporters in this city, and yet the Phillies... Uh, manager has to talk to Angelo fucking Cataldi every week, you know? Now, when he turns the shtick off and he just asks questions, it's good radio. Like, the hit that they did this week was great. They didn't argue about anything. He didn't say, I'm the, I speak for the fans and blah, blah. How, how can you say, like, you talk to more fans than Gabe Kapler when he's busy managing the fucking team? When the fuck do you, he said, quote, Angelo, you don't speak for the whole city. Cataldi said, quote, I talk to a hell of a lot more fans than you do. When the fuck do you expect Gabe Kapler to talk to the fans? Like, I mean, come on. It's just like the whole, that whole exchange was just, was, it was just like absurd. It was dumb. Yeah. It was, it was honestly cringy. And Kapler's, <laughs> Kapler's saying to him like, okay, you're plugged into the people who, who call your show. Okay. <laughs> Which you don't, is fair. You don't represent- That'd be like saying, Hey, you know what, Gabe? Uh, we interact with more commenters than you do. No, it's like, it's like saying, in a given week. It's like, it's like saying, well, crossing broad listeners think that, you know, crossing broadcast is the best podcast out there. Well, no fucking shit. Cause there are listeners like I, it, it's the people who 
it's just like you could surround yourself with sycophants and like of course they're going to tell you what you want to hear like when angelo Cataldi yells at howard eskin and he says well i got 500 emails i got 600 emails and 500 people agreed with me well no shit because they listen to your show and they're emailing you they listen to your show because they like you and they believe what you have to say so it's like what what do you expect is gonna is gonna happen you know so again i just go back to like instead of just saying like angelo sucks blah 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 blah, blah like his way of thinking and the way that he presents things is just actively detrimental to the Philadelphia sports fan and our growth uh, as a sports city, you know. And so I look at it as a bigger problem on a macro level scale because he, he it benefits him uh, to keep people stupid and he profits from that, you know. And I think that's bullshit. I think that's straight up bullshit. Yep, I agree. All right. Anyway, I think that's really all I got to say. Um, I got to go back to say not, about that. I got to go back to not having a life because I feel like I've I've left my wife with the, with the kid all day. My kid, by the way, she was sound asleep uh, earlier today, and she mm-hmm. pooped herself awake. Good for her. Yeah, she was just sound asleep, and then I'm I'm just, I'm just in the kitchen. I hear, <laughs> and she like she opened her eyes and she got really really startled, and then she started smiling. Yeah. Well, that's cute. I think some adults do that too, actually. Yeah, I was gonna say when you're when you're a few months old, it's cute, but when you're like twenty seven, do that yeah. or twenty eight or however old I am now. Yeah. So then we changed. It's not, a, it's not looked at as cute. Changed a poop diaper, and uh, yeah, and then we did a bath. So that was my that's my life now. That's what not having a life is kind of like, you know. Wow. But I don't have to tell you that because you already know. I do. Though I'm going on a bachelor party this uh, this weekend, so Are that's you? exciting. I am. Where are you going, man? Uh, I don't want to don't want to tip people off. Oh. You know, don't don't need the uh, paparazzi right. out in Westchester, Pennsylvania this weekend. All right, I don't I don't need that, Kevin. Well, if you Although, see any people gonna... out there, just uh, you know, remind them that you're the voice of the Philadelphia sports. Well, fan. I'm going to be I'm going to be wearing a uh, Crossing Broadcast T-shirt. Uh, I'm going to make sure that everybody else is wearing a uh, a shirt that is. Uh, uh, of the the album cover of uh, one of the shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, mm-hmm. so I don't know who the lucky sob that gets to wear the uh, Crossing Broad FC shirt is going to be, but I'll make sure that it's out there. Yeah, don't worry, we'll uh, we'll have all the the pictures come together. Straight up, man. Well, it was fun, yeah. and sorry to everybody who uh, was expecting content over the last two weeks, but I guess we'll try to pick it up as we uh, we're going to do better. As we get along here. We're going to we try better. to hashtag be better. I'm in summer break, so I'm around now. I know. We can record like, whenever. I've, I've been grinding, like, I've, dude, the beginning of the Eagles season to, like, the end of the Sixers season is, like, nine months. I've been working, yep. like, six-day weeks Look at you. on the website for nine fucking months. Did you bring your uh, your lunch pail and your hard hat? I did, because Philadelphia way, is all so, just blue-collar laborers who are, who are stupid, you know? Like, he thinks they're stupid, you know? I've so, been diving back into, uh, I, I started listening to uh, an pro wrestling podcast with Eric Bischoff, oh, who uh, who uh, was once in charge of WCW. And it's been fun to go back and listen to the way that like the NWO started. I feel like the crossing broad staff at some point is going to have to become factions. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put, I'm going to put a little line in the sand. I think uh, Bob has now shamelessly stolen the, uh, the mantra of the lunch pail and the hard hat. Philadelphia mm-hmm. blue collar sports fan. That's bullshit. And he's uh, he's been trying to run with that over on Crossed Up, and I will point out the fact that the lunch pail and the hard hat are represented in the "It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia" album they artwork. They are. So uh, I'm and that was be... something something we talked about first here on Crossing Broadcast, the flagship podcast of the Crossing Broadcast. I'm going to be Network, the nation so. of domination. 
Uh, I'll be Rocky Maivia. And wow. you can take your podcast and you can turn it sideways and shove it straight up your Rudy Pooh candy ass. Wow, that's that's truly something. If you want to crown them, then crown their ass. I'm really proud of you. All right, I'm going to sign off on that, Russ. It was fun. We'll do it again. Think- have fun at your bachelor party. Have fun at the office, the Crossing Broad offices. Up in, By God, uh, that's so- Kevin Kincaid's music. By God. By God. By God. He, By killed, God. Him. he killed him. By God, I think he broke him in half. He just took Bob. By the way, really Bob, did did we run that post about Bob? Did we run the post? No, we didn't. <sighs> For those who didn't know, our own Bob, who refuses to use his real name, coward, won the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer um, South Jersey Coach of the Year. So, uh, which you can find over at inquirer.com, not philly.com. Mm-hmm. Not philly.com. Too easy. Spell inquirer. Yeah. Oh. We'll get into uh, that and some sports media stuff on the next episode next week. But uh, in the meantime, go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with Kevin Kincaid over there. Kevin, who'd you have on uh, this most recent episode that dropped uh, on Thursday? We had Mechanicsburg native and former FC Dallas and Harrisburg midfielder Bobby Warshaw on the show. We talked about Il Senio. We talked about your first place Philadelphia <sighs> Union. You got some kick-ass shit! Talked about some of that. Listen, here's this is perfect Philadelphia Union, right? They have the best comeback, I would argue, in the franchise history. They come back to beat at least a one-sided rival in New York Red Bull at home. Skill Senior comes in, Brazilian Ben Affleck. They net three goals. They win the game. Just when there's momentum behind the Philadelphia Union, the first-placed Philadelphia Union, we go on the Gold Cup break, and all momentum is killed. That's so Union. Yeah. Anyway, go check that out. Uh, Crossing Broad FC will be recording soon. Uh, we'll be probably talking about the Women's World Cup. I guess at some point there are other Euro qualifier things going on, and we haven't actually, I don't think we've recorded since the Champions League final, so we'll do that. Uh, Crossed Up dropped an episode this week. Bob and Anthony, Mr. Positivity and Mr. Positivity, they were uh, rip-roaring, ready to go to talk about your team, your town, your Philadelphia Phillies. And I'm um, trying to think. Broadlines, I think, put out a new episode in the last couple of days, so go check them out as well. And what else am I missing? Oh, Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie will be um, doing some stuff soon. Of course, I mentioned off the top of the show yeah. the, uh, the Kevin Hayes trade. Uh, we'll see if anything gets done there. And uh, now that the Stanley Cup finals are over, we start to pivot to the draft. It's coming up, and uh, it's going to be very exciting. So we'll be uh, we'll be hitting that. And I think that's all the shows. Don't forget, they're available on Apple Podcasts, not iTunes. Rest in peace, iTunes. They're available on Apple Podcasts, yeah. Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. So right. go check them out. Thanks Follow for listening. On Twitter. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right, kiss my ass. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week.